Welcome to the number one podcast covering Michigan State basketball. The Final Four is not in the schedule. Join Rod and me, Eric, as we dive deep into the Spartans to get you prepared for every game. Subscribe today for in-depth recruiting updates and fantastic interviews with today's important college basketball personalities like Robbie Hummel. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I have listened to your guys' podcasts numerous times on drives throughout any Midwestern Big Ten city, so I, I am big fans of your guys' work. Jay Billis. And next time, hey, if anybody in Michigan wants a December tea time, call me. You wimps won't show up, but I'll I'll be there. I'll be there and play in the cold. And Izzo will be in front of the fire with hot chocolate. Coaches Thomas Kelly. Oh, no problem. Glad to be back, man. Glad to be back. Mike Garland. You just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You can't do it. You're gonna lose. Coming down the stretch, you're gonna lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod, here to talk about MSU's game against the Fighting Illini in Champaign on Thursday night. MSU lost 71-68 to fall to 1-4 in the conference and pretty much ends any hopes of winning the Big Ten. Uh, tonight's story was different than the other night at Northwestern where MSU had no answer defensively for the Wildcats' uh, number four spot. Uh, tonight it seemed uh, like a lot of little things and a play here and there that made the difference. Tyson Walker got in foul trouble in the second half and had to sit an extended time, which allowed Illinois to come back from being down six to basically taking the lead again. Yeah. Uh, overall, not a performance, I think, to hang your head as the Spartans largely played well, but unable to make enough plays down the stretch to win. I don't you know. I just felt in summary, I feel like the game was lost in the first half because we're globally with an inability to stop dribble penetration, especially from Rogers and the second half really with an inability to hit open shots, especially ones critical down the end in the stretch. Yeah, those are, I would agree. Those are two factors. It's a, it's a complicated picture. Let, let me start with yeah. the overview. Um, I agree with you. I, you know, I understand for a lot of reasons where this team was ranked in the preseason, the start of the season, um, frustration boiling over from the football season. <laughs> yeah. Probably now some residual frustration from Michigan winning a football championship. So you see what I'm saying? Some of these things have nothing to do with anything. Right. But they're real in terms of the mindset fan base. What you're seeing is what I've seen is a reaction to what in most other seasons is a loss that just kind of shrug your shoulders and say, well, that's the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. But now it's a sign of, as I've seen today, is Tom Izzo done? What? <laughs> they yeah. lost a road game by one possession to a top 10 team in a gym that is historically a very difficult place to win, even when Illinois is not great, by the way. Yeah. I'm talking globally, not just MSU. Um, really? That's the conclusion <laughs> people draw? Look, I'm not trying to make excuses, but the fact is that um, the schedule as it looks right now, has not been particularly kind to Michigan State. The one that you can absolutely point to and say, hey, no excuses, that's a game you need to get, was the first one. The yeah, home game against Wisconsin. Yeah. The, yeah. Okay? I'll buy that. But the loss at Nebraska, very frustrating, and I include myself in that category, but take a look at where Nebraska is right now and the way they've been playing. And I think the further we're going... um. The the less bad that loss begins to look. Yeah. Then you take care of business against a bad opponent in Penn State, really the only bad team MSU's faced so far. And then you go on the road and you lose to a Northwestern team that probably sits in the middle of the pack mm -hmm. and I think is going to be in the conversation for a tournament bid. I'm not nearly prepared to say they will be in, but I think they're going to be in that conversation. And then you lose at a top 10 team. I understand the record's one and four. I understand what the standards are in the program and all the rest of the nonsense. But these are realities, and they're realities that people forget every say. You know what's true? Just, just <laughs> as true as it is that Michigan State players, no matter how experienced, somehow over the offseason forget how to, how to play Spartan defense for at least a month and a half. <laughs> so, too... Does the Michigan State fan base forget every single year 
what reality looks like. Reality is you lose games on the road in the Big Ten. And this game, I will say in particular, is an illustration of why. Why do I say that? You pointed out to some things that absolutely were true. They, the decision to defend Ty Rogers with a five, I think was not something I necessarily anticipated, although we did see Purdue do it, I believe, in their previous game. But um, there's some, I can see the rationale, absolutely. He's not a shooting threat at all, so you just sag off him with a big, you get the added bonus of that big being around the basket for rebounding purposes. He's not getting extended out on the floor defensively, so that's good. They just... They had a harder time than I would have anticipated, and and Rodgers was much more aggressive than I anticipated in terms of attacking it. Um, and then in the second half, which I'll return to later, Michigan State absolutely missed a lot of open shots, particularly open threes, that if a couple of those fall, it's a different game. Uh, all true. But if you really look at it, what was the deciding factor here? It was fouls. Yeah. It was right. fouls and more specifically free throw attempts. Mm-hmm. Michigan State goes five a grand total of five for seven at the line. Yeah. Illinois goes 18 for 22. Ball game. Yeah. Right there. Now, you can talk about, well, Illinois was aggressive. They were, but so was Michigan State. That was an extremely physical game. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, we can all point to a handful of calls. The one that was most egregious, of course, was the one where MSU was down one. Illinois had the ball fairly late in the game. They miss a jumper, and somehow A.J. Hogard is called for a foul on the rebound attempt oh. by Coleman Hawkins, which I'm still trying. So I should give give Holman, Ho- Coleman Hawkins credit, I guess. Or an Emmy. For, for a flop. Yeah. But the official was right there. How he made that call. But, but my point is saying all of that that is life on the road in this conference it just is and so yeah that's not an excuse because you know going in hey you're gonna likely have to overcome some that's how it's gonna go you have to overcome some bad calls you probably won't get as many free throw attempts as they do that's how it is you gotta find a way and Michigan State didn't do that but there have been lots of examples of that over the years in a game like this where they weren't able to do it. And it yeah. didn't mean the sky was falling. Look, there's uh, events may prove us to be um, foolishly optimistic, but when I look at Michigan State's remaining schedule, most of the heavy lifting's done, folks, at least on paper. Yeah. You've got road games at Wisconsin and Purdue. Those would be daunting. Those would be the two. Although, honestly, I think the Wisconsin game is winnable, um, much like this one was. I, I think that Michigan State will be in it. That would be mm-hmm. my expectation. Whether they close it out or not, it's anybody's guess, but I think they have a chance. Purdue's the only one that I look at and say, boy, that's tall order Yeah, uh, to win in Mackey, just because of history and you know that they're a good team and, and all of that. Um, but I, I, I don't think this means the sky is falling. Again, I, 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 I measure, I measure my feelings about this team based on how I perceive them having played. I was yeah. furious after Nebraska because I didn't think they played hard. I, did, I certainly didn't think they played well on the defensive end at all. It was disgraceful. Mm-hmm. to me and I was angered by that by having to watch that I don't feel those things here the reasons they lost this game were things that happen in any season in a similar situation they believe it or not I don't know how good people's <laughs> memories are Mateen Cleves lost a bunch of Big Ten games no. on the road in his career yeah it happened <laughs> I know it's stunning Final, eight Final Four teams they all lost road games in the Big Ten. Um, actually, check that. The 1999 team, I don't think, did. Because they only lost one game in the league, and it was at home, if I remember correctly, in the opener against Wisconsin. 
other than that, I'm right. Um, so again, the loss doesn't tell me much because those things happen in this context. When I look at how Michigan State played, I, yeah, there were there were things that didn't go well. I'm not going to say it was anything close to a perfect game, but can I honestly sit here and say, yeah, they played badly or they didn't work, they didn't play hard, the the defensive effort was not connected. No, I can't say any of those things. So I'm not I'm not as doom and gloom as uh, I, I think a lot of my fellow Michigan State people seem to be today. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, the, what what definitely has to happen is going forward, starting on Sunday. They have to win the games that look like games they ought to win. Yes. That much is true. But <laughs> I will also say this. This team, thus far, one thing you can say about them, they, against teams where they're clearly the favorite, clearly decisively, given the circumstances, the better team. Mm-hmm. So that would mean playing at Northwestern, being on the road kind of mitigates some of the talent sure. gap. Sure, yeah, you yeah. Know. right. But um, same thing for Nebraska. Uh, Michigan State, this team has taken care of business. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. they've played they've played bad opponents and run them out of the gym, which has not always been something that we've seen Tom Izzo teams do. There no, have been teams true. where they let they play, kind of play to the level of the opposition. That really has not been a problem for this team. They've even done that to some good teams. Double-digit win against a good Indiana State team beat the living daylights out of a Butler team that is at least on the fringes of the tournament discussion right now. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, it, it, it's okay. I know people, and, and I get the I get the impulse, they want to look at that top five ranking and say, well, judging by we were supposed to be a top five team, so this is a disaster. Are they a top five team right now? No. But I I know it may sound crazy to say about a team one and four in its league, there is not a single team in the country on a neutral floor that I would feel like, boy, we got to play our A game. They need to play their C game. And even then, maybe not. Yeah. Not a chance I feel that way. It doesn't mean right. they'd beat everyone, but would they have a, a legitimate shot against anybody in that kind of setting? I absolutely still believe yes. And it's because of the guards. It's because of the guards. And I think ultimately, you know, the, the big problem with this season, it, much like the beginning games of the, of the season, okay. Michigan right. really had a lot of trouble starting games and coming out with the energy and focus. And yeah. that sort of was the explanation for this Big Ten season. At least, you know, Wisconsin and Nebraska were uh, duds. And you p- put themselves in an 0-2 hole, uh, and that, it's hard to climb out of that. And, right. You know, you have to get some games that you're not probably supposed to get or that are 50-50 games, let's say, you know, like at Illinois or Northwestern. And they haven't yet. And so that's that'll obviously be the next thing. To, I mean, obviously— To, con- to contend. To contend, to contend for, for Big Ten, Big yeah. Title. Right. Yeah. yeah to, I mean, as have, far as March goes— you know, it doesn't matter maybe as much. I mean, assuming they were when the games are supposed to come going forward here. To go twelve and eight, which would be what last year's team did, um, minus the Minnesota game they would have won that was right. um, yeah, yeah. canceled because of Steve Peichel. Um <laughs> that that team would have been twelve and eight. To go for this team to go twelve and eight, despite the one and four start, they all they have to do is take care of business. They've got, figure what the total is. I want to say against Michigan, Penn State, Minnesota, Rutgers, and Iowa. Maryland's probably I in believe, yeah. I believe they have eight games left against those teams. Eight. That's a lot. Those are a lot of get right opportunities. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's not even counting. Okay, you got, I think they've got home and home against Maryland, if I remember they correctly. They do. Maryland's yeah. not very, very yeah, soon. Maryland's not very good. No. Um, and their, that home crowd, that home environment is nowhere near what it once was. They have to play at Penn State um, as well. 
play at Penn State. Hey, that's a game you ought to win, even on the road. Um, IU, not great so far. Um, you got Illinois at home, which I think will be an opportunity, absolutely, to get payback for this thing. For sure. So there are all these games, you know, and then obviously, as we said, you've got Wisconsin, Purdue on the road, which are the two by far left that I think look like your most difficult games. But even if you lose both of them and say you slip up one other spot, right now, if you look at it, I believe MSU's favored in every other game except those two. So if you went by that, 14 and six is doable. Now, I'm not necessarily expecting that they run the table that way, but can I see 13? Yeah. I can definitely see 12. Mm -hmm. So... That doesn't mean they're going to get there, but I'm just saying uh, temper, I I beg you, listeners, temper (laughs) your result-oriented thinking. And I understand that's not easy because of all these other factors that are at play, but try as best you can to keep your eye on the prize. Again, returning to this game, specifically to me, the biggest thing, is the fouls. And mm-hmm. that's going to happen on the road. What you hope for is that it's a little less egregious than this one was. Yeah. That did not happen. MSU had some really bad calls go against them late. Um, that hurt. And again, you hope for something a little better than whatever it whatever it was, a 15 free throw attempt difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you could say, well, some you of those were intentional 10. fouling at the end, but still it was a good 10 different, like you said, nine or 10 different. Okay. You, you'd play. hope for better. You'd hope for a little better than that. Yeah. And sometimes you get it where the, the home team has an advantage, but it's not crazy. And sometimes you don't. And yeah. this was one of them where they didn't. But I thought Michigan State did some things very well also. So we can, you know, we can, we can go through some of that. Sure thing. Well, let's begin with our, uh, do you want to do more summary or do you want to just go into? Well, I, I think if, if you look at, if you look at the totality of this thing, I think that, um, and it's funny because I look at, I look at some of the stats and, you know, like AJ didn't shoot it really well. He had trouble in this game early converting layups. Um, and he only had three assists, but I thought I thought AJ did some good things. Now there were some things I'll be critical of. I would be critical of. The biggest was, and see if you agree with me on this. You mentioned Walker going to the bench foul trouble. Yeah, and MSU's up six, right? Mm-hmm. Three possessions in a row. AJ dribbles the shot clock down. Yeah, down to, to six or, or eight before, before they even start. He's, now, I can't say definitively that that's entirely on him because if you've got guys who don't understand what you're running or just slow to get into it, that might not be his fault. But you know what? I We know AJ's pretty demonstrative when he thinks somebody else is screwing <laughs> up, and I didn't see yeah. him doing that. So that tells me it was by intent, his intent. I can't believe it's by Tom Izzo's intent. Yeah. This team has to play fast. They have to. That's where they are at their best. And I don't just mean going up and down the floor fast breaking. I mean play fast with pace, with tempo, with intent, with purpose in the half court. And to slow it down like that, and none of those possessions went anywhere, and Illinois goes right back and takes the lead. Yeah. That was a bad, bad sequence from AJ. But he also did a lot of important things in that game. Mm-hmm. And I thought he, re- I mean, he took 19 shots from the floor. I don't know if that's a career high, but it's probably close. Um, he was aggressive and they needed him to be aggressive. Even if he wasn't hitting as many as he'd like, you need him to remain aggressive, trying to play downhill, trying to make things happen. Um, and so I was not unhappy with his game. I thought Malik had a, very much a bounce back game. Yes. You know, 14 and seven, he was aggressive too. Um, didn't get rewarded for it as often as he should have, by the way. Um, Jay Nakins, I thought did some good things. Uh, Madi, another double digit rebounding effort. Um, so there were some, 
Colin Carr had a couple impactful plays. There were some, and obviously Tyson was Tyson, but um, there were some individuals that did did things. Well, I think well, we, we'll talk about maybe some of the rest of the details. I'll save it for the for the keys because yeah. some of the other stuff that went well, I think is is inherent. It's embedded in that. Yeah. Well, let's do, yeah. Let's begin by you know Michigan State's uh, player they had to keep in the gutter. Brought to you by the brothers Just Your Gutters. I was just talking to Kurt the other day, and one of the things he reminded me of, and I haven't mentioned before, is they actually sell heated gutters. So, you know, it's kind of snowing. Wow. In the midst of uh, of uh, Snowmageddon or some sort of version of that anyway. So if you're in the west side of the state and you're, you want heated gutters, they last a long time. They're, they're on the aluminum. They keep the ice and um, snow buildup off the gutters and clear them out so you don't have that problem, especially if you've got, I imagine if you have a business, it's probably even more important to make sure you keep things clear for your customers getting out of your, um, or your, out of your business, but also for your home too, at the, like the, around the front and, you know, so it doesn't fall on your sidewalk or driveway or front stoop or anything. Uh, you can contact the Brothers Just Who Gutters. The nice thing is you get 10% off your estimate if you contact them. Uh, you can contact Kurt and his team in the Grand Rapids area or Greg and his team in the Metro Detroit area. Uh, they'll come out and they're doing stuff right now. They're working. They don't have as many, many crews out, but they will put up and <laughs> they're working on gutters. Even yesterday, they were working on gutters. So as long as it's not like incredibly dangerous to be out in a ladder, which personally is about any time I'm on a ladder. But when they, <laughs> for them, it's as long as it's not you know, super dangerous, they'll get out there and take care of stuff. So contact them. You can find the contact information below in the podcast player or on the, um, or on the, uh, on the website at the final fours on the schedule.com. Uh, so the player that Michelle had to keep in the gutter was Marcus Damask, uh, the transfer from Southern Illinois. And if we had stopped in the first half, we would have said, absolutely. They kept him in the gutter. He was, yep. he was a no show. He ended up playing 38 minutes. He played his entire game. He finished four of 12 from the field, one to four from three, hit all six of his free throws. Those mostly came late as they were just trying to come back and foul. Uh, six rebounds, ended up 15 points, five assists, two turnovers. I'd say they didn't, and that was probably part, at least in part, why they had they struggled in the second half. They weren't able to keep him neutralized. He hit that one sort of floater kind of in the lane, and that sort of got him going. And then he had a three, and he's kind of off to the races a little bit. He played far better in the second half. I thought the first half, it's funny, and I was thinking about it consciously, like, wow, they have locked him up. Yeah. He's done nothing. Um, and then the second half, he did get going. And and once he got going, I mean, there was a shot. Oh, that went over from, AJ. I can't remember if it was, was it AJ that was going? Yeah, and it just, it AJ, AJ did everything right, and it just it hit this crazy yeah, it rainbow. Was just, it, was a, it was a joke, and sometimes that happens. Yeah. There was another one where Aikens got called for a foul on a baseline turnaround that I thought was a bad call. Very late shot clock. It was a bailout. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he, the kid got some moments. But look, I thought I thought he played. He was definitely a difference maker in the second half. No question about that. Um, but they didn't let him go crazy either. And nope. four for 12 from the floor, not great. You know, they, they made it. They made it tough on him to finish. What what tips it to him having had a good, solid overall game though is the six rebounds, the five assists, to just two turnovers. Yeah, he was right. he was truly in the second half, especially he was really contributing all the way around. Yeah, I think it was sort of the first half was Ty Rogers, and the second half was Damask. As far as and I'm going to say, I'm going to say this. I, I keep saying this about Illinois, and I'm I'm convinced that we're going to see it happen. I don't think the way they're playing is sustainable if you're talking about, oh, a 17-win Big Ten team. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I it, No matter how well those two guys played, and they had good nights, and they've hung in there since Terrence Shannon went out, it's not so much about missing Terrence Shannon, although that's a big blow, but they just, their lack of a true creator from the guard spot I, it's, it was such an awkward game yes. in some ways. And I just think, and they dictate some of that to you, but that's kind of my point. I just don't think over the long run that's sustainable. I'm not saying, oh, they're going to crater, they're not going to make the tournament, or they're not going to win more than they lose in the league. I think those things will probably happen, but almost definitely will. 
but they're not going to be a Big Ten title contender when it's all said and done this way. I just don't. I don't believe that. And if they prove me wrong, so be it. But I, I don't think so. Yeah, certainly in that game, I thought they were easy to guard. Um, it just you know, in in many ways, yeah. Some you know, you can. That's the thing. That what's funny about it is they're so big, as we talked about, but because they're such a weird team. You don't necessarily have to pay the price for it the way you mm-hmm. would normally, yeah. right? So it's okay. Um, you've got all this size, but you can get away with having a six-three guy guard six-eleven Coleman Hawkins, <laughs> right? Because of the way he plays, right? Um, it allows you to do that mixing and matching, which keeps you in it, even if you're as Michigan State was giving up quite a bit of size at, at several positions. You know, I, I didn't feel Illinois really made them pay for that a whole hell of a lot. If anything, the only thing that they did is a quickness advantage helped them a couple of times with, with Rodgers primarily, but not not size. And size is one of their one of their strong suits as a roster. Um, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, I just think just to put a button on the point, it's not that you can't have your primary playmaker not be a point guard. I mean, Michigan State has had that in the past with Draymond Green, with Allen Anderson, right. where those teams didn't have pure point guard play, but Draymond Green's team had Keith Appling. That was a real guard who could do real guard things, even if he wasn't the primary playmaker. Illinois does not have anybody remotely in that ballpark, you know, and I just yeah. think it's going to catch up to them sooner or later. All right, well, let's uh, go on to our uh, squeegee squad of Grand Rapids. They had the player that cleans the glass the best for Michigan State. Uh, the player this game was Madi Sissoko. He finished with 10 rebounds. Uh, for a while, Malik Hall, I think, had more rebounds. He ended up finished with seven, and that he was did. your pick. Yeah. So, yeah. boy, I went again. I don't know. This is like a three. About, this is, yeah. it's about, like, this is a runaway here. <laughs> 3 yeah. right now. Uh, but anyway, uh, I think, you know, from the rebounding standpoint, they're very good, obviously. Uh, We'll talk about that more in the keys of the game, I suppose. But just yeah, a reminder, the yeah. Squeegee Squad of Grand Rapids, they do a fantastic job. They're actually coming out to our house. And again, if you think people like this don't get on rat ladders uh, in the middle of the winter and bad weather, uh, you're wrong. They come out. They'll come out and clean your windows, and you know they're going to take care of things. They can do the inside, the outside. They can also clean the outside of the house just with power washing, although I cannot imagine having a job where I'm power washing in February or January, but it'll come out and do it, I guess. Uh, they also... Not only just get your residence, but they can work on high rises. They can do res, uh, commercial buildings. So whatever you need done, you can check out the Squeegee Squad at Grand Rapids. They do a fantastic job. They're obviously based in the Grand Rapids area. It's a pretty large region. So if you're in anywhere in the West Michigan area, I'd just go ahead and recommend give them a call. Uh, you can get 15% off if you mention Final Four uh, when you get your estimate. And it's very reasonable. I can say that as someone who's got them coming out. Like I said, they're coming out this week. And I can tell you, I can give you the true testimonial of how they do. But my hunch is, and well, not only did they kill the, clean the windows, they actually clean the screens too. So I don't think I realized how dirty my windows are. And I think this is oftentimes what happens uh, for someone who wears glasses like me. You don't realize how dirty your glasses are until you clean them. <laughs> and it's, you're like, wow. The little uh-huh. I'm going to guess it's the same thing with, with my windows. And so <laughs> we'll see soon enough. Uh, so I guess finally, why don't we go to the keys of the game and we, then we can discuss a lot more of the game, uh, sort of more detail. Uh, it's brought to you by Nudge Printing. And if you're called a contest for the for the free t-shirt by nudge printing uh it was won by nathaniel so nathaniel won the answer for which michigan State player was most recently drafted in the top 10 of the nba draft in 2018 was jaron jackson uh, you might recall also miles bridges win in that draft too but i think he's 14th uh, so i think what his lottery picks kind of considered the top 10 is that right i think that's no it it, it extends they were both lottery picks okay which is why right. some people might have initially thought Oh, wait a minute. Miles was a lottery pick, too. I believe the lottery is 14 currently. Okay, so I... It's I mean, just it's everybody, a, who's not a, everybody who's not a playoff team. Yeah, okay. Um, and so then, Nudge Pretty will have another contest. They're going to try and do two a month. The next one is going to be for Hoodie, so stay tuned for that. It's probably next week we'll have that new question. Again, you can find all that information for the new contest when it comes up, or just our personal site is at... The final is, uh, sorry, nudgeprinting.com slash T-F-F-I-N-O-T-S, and you can get our episodes there, uh, but also the new um, the new, uh, the new new trivia question when it comes up in a week or so. Uh, and obviously, Nudge Printing is a fantastic place. Not only do they have great products, but they have a gigantic selection. 
not just t-shirts, but hoodies, sweatshirts, kind of whatever you need. Also, um, wall stickers, all made in Michigan by Michigan State alums, Gabe and Brittany. Uh, they do fantastic work. We have a ton of products. I'm actually getting some more soon uh, because they are just the most popular family. And you get 20% off if you type in Final Four, that's one word, on checkout. Uh, so the first key to the game for Illinois was rebounding. And this is something that I did not expect Michigan State to do well in because, you know, Illinois is really good and Michigan State has not been very good. And yet here Michigan State finishes with um, well, a couple. They won the rebounding overall rate. They had they won 37-34, which is, I think, surprising to begin with because Michigan State did not shoot as well as Illinois. So you'd expect from a defensive rebounding standpoint, Illinois would have sort of an edge there. Uh, they Michigan State out-rebounded them in the offensive end too, 13-8. to uh, from a percentage standpoint, Illinois got about 25% of offensive rebounding rate, which is, for them, not very good. And that's a good job by Michigan State. If they could keep most teams like that, it'd be nice. And Michigan State with a 33% offensive rebounding edge with 13 offensive rebounds. So, I mean, a huge win for Michigan State is one if you, I mean, had we known that ahead of time, you would have thought they'd had a pretty good chance of winning this game. And, uh, again, this is one of the reasons why I can't look at this game and say, boy, they just... I've infuriated. Right. They did some things very, very well. People need to understand Illinois uh, at the offensive end is an elite rebounding team, and they're pretty good defensively. And MSU won that battle decisively. Yeah. Eight percent is a pretty big win. You know, 33% offensive rebounding rate is not world beating, but basically your demarcation point is 30 if you're above 30%, you had some version of a good night. If you're below it, you did not. And so MSU, good. Illinois, not good. Um, not something you would have necessarily expected because of Michigan State's inconsistency and how good Illinois has been. But we talked about this. The problem, the maddening thing for Michigan State <laughs> is that they have shown a capability to do this against very good rebounding teams. Baylor was another one. Yeah. And they dominated, I believe, in that game even more than in this one. But fifty um, percent, I think almost. Yeah. The frustrating part has to be this. If you can do it against a team like this, <laughs> why why are you struggling against Northwestern in the first half? Yeah. Right. Why are you struggling against Penn State? There's no excuse for it. None, because they clearly they are capable, and and you look at you look at the stats. I mean, AJ Hogard six rebounds, Jaden Akins five. Between the two of them, six offensive rebounds. That's guard rebounding. Yeah, that's not Madi. That's not Malik. That's not Carson Cooper. Those are your guards, and and I've said it and said it and said it for years and years. Michigan State's rebounding as a team is as good as its perimeter guys. Mm -hmm. They are generally the difference makers between a good rebounding unit and a bad one. And last night, those guys were really good, and so Michigan State was really good. Now they got to repeat it. That's been the problem. Do it again. Do it again. Yeah, and against teams that aren't good, you should just bury them. And that's again, that's the thing they haven't done. <laughs> Coming up, believe it or not, Rutgers is a horrendous rebounding team this year. That's really both unbelievable. They're, they're yeah. bad. They're 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 not good on offense, and they are horrendous defensively. So you're exactly right. There's a game where there's an opportunity for you to stake out some territory and dominate. And if you could do this against Illinois, you are capable of doing that against Rutgers. So the second key to the game was keeping in Illinois in the perimeter. And, uh, you know, I think probably you could say that this did not go well, especially in the first half. You know, Illinois is getting a lot of layups. Ty Rogers was just kind of carving them up. Uh, when they did keep Illinois outside shooting, the Illinois was not very good. They, what are they, the first half, I think they shot 25% from three, three or 12. In the second half, they were much better, yeah. four of nine. Coleman Hawkins, who has got yeah. one of the most punchable sort of faces, and he is so annoying uh, with his theatrics and stuff out there. But, he was good. He's three of five. I mean, he had two yeah. stupid shots, but the other three were really good. He got a break on two of them. One, Michigan State did a terrible job in transition defense. They were all bunched up, and he's just kind of drifting yeah. on the wing, and they found him, and it was wide open. 
And then the, the other one I'm thinking of was just two straight bad breaks. One, I think it was Jaden Akins actually got a block, but it was his hand on the ball, so it wasn't a true block. And the ball came loose, just happens to bounce the right way to an Oloy player. It wasn't a lack of effort play by MSU. It was just mm-hmm. a bad bounce. And then they miss a shot. It was Goody misses a shot, and somebody from Illinois just gets enough of their hand to it that they knock it back outside. Goody was trying to hit a layup, I think. Um, and Illinois, again, it just happens to bounce the right way. And then Malik is late, realizing that Hawkins is sitting there in the corner, and they the ball gets to him, and he just drains it. Broken play. So bad transition defense, broken play, two of those three triples that he hit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I it's, it's easier said than done to keep them on the perimeter. And we know that they wanted to play inside, inside out anyway because that's what they do with this group. They, they really don't have much of a choice. Um, Ty Rogers really did damage in the first half. I'm going to guess that's the best offensive game of his Illinois career because he's not much of a scorer, and he put up, well, you have 15 points for the game, and I'll yeah, bet 12 in the first half, I think. Yeah. Did he? Okay, so almost all of them Yeah, in the first half. Uh, you know, credit to him. I think, you know, you want to make Illinois have to try to do some things they're not comfortable in doing, and that is not something that's part of their their normal offensive approach. They adjusted because that's what Michigan State was doing. And once he had a couple a couple buckets and had some success, I think his confidence soared and it just sort of rolled downhill. When Michigan State could turn them into a jump shooting group, I think I think it went pretty well. They're not a great shooting team, you know, the jump shooting. Maybe better than they were last year, but they're not great. And they weren't great yesterday, but just not maybe not able to do enough of that. Yeah. And just to your point, uh, looking at just, I just brought up the Ty Rogers stats for the season. He's had four games in triple digit digits. Uh, three of them, where he scored 10 points against Oakland Valpo and FDU and mm-hmm. then 15 against Michigan state. And every other game he's had two, four, right. three, five. I mean, yeah, he's, really... he's not out there to score. No, he's out there to bring the ball up and he's out there to defend and rebound. That's what they, that's what they ask of him. And they figure he'll get a couple garbage buckets or something along the way, but that's about it. Yeah. So to see him, if you don't see them regularly, and you saw them play last night, that's not how he normally plays. That's not how Illinois normally plays. Credit to them, they they were able to flip what Michigan State was trying to do to them, and actually turn it to their advantage for a while. Yeah, and it worked for the first half. And I, you know, yeah. I think. Graham Couch has put it well in the past. I've heard him talk about, you know, role players generally don't do much on the road, but they do a lot at home. That's where you expect them to play better. And and that's sort of what you kind of saw that a little bit. And yes. same example. I mean, you kind of look sort of like Trey Holloman. He's been sort of largely not absent, uh-huh. but not really been very impactful the last two games on the road where he was yep, playing true. really well at home before. So he's not very quite true. got to that part that's uh, part of his career yet where he's ready to do a lot on the road. Um, so third key to the game is transition. And I thought, you know, when Michigan State yeah. got into transition, they were very effective. It just wasn't a, as much as no. wanted. Uh, and, and so I, I guess you'd say that's a, a, a fail there and that just didn't get there, get going enough. I mean, fast break points, they listed as two for Michigan State and yeah, uh, that's a four bogus. for Illinois. That's a, that's a bogus stat. <laughs> yeah. It was better than that, but it wasn't great. It wasn't um, great, yeah. Michigan State had to grind it out. Even though they got a lot of shot attempts up, Um so the game in the half court was not always played slowly, but they had to grind it out primarily five on five yeah. in the half court. And look, it, Illinois is a good defensive team. This is where their length, their size across the board really plays in. You know, there were there were segments where they had Ty Rogers guarding Tyson Walker. Now, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't mean that he's going to stop him completely, but it's a different deal shooting over a six seven guy mm-hmm. who can move his feet well enough to hang with you, which which Rogers can. Um, that was, you know, that 
it made it tough. MSU really had to grind it out. I thought at times they did an effective job at that. I thought for the most part they actually did. It's just that, you know, and this is the lament that you you could say, and it's true, but people don't want to accept it. And sometimes good shots don't fall. And I felt that particularly down the stretch, that was the case where, you know, Tyson especially is one for seven from three. Had great look after great look. I see mostly good looks, yeah. Yeah, and they just didn't drop. And so that happens sometimes. It's nobody, I know everybody wants to assign blame. It's (laughs) other than saying, well, the guy missed the shot, which is a true statement. Can't really argue with that fact. But they weren't bad shots. They're not bad shooters. The shots just didn't fall. And sometimes that's what happens. All right. The fourth key to the game was getting into them. And so your thought was, you know, as much as Michigan State wants to keep Illinois in the perimeter, it'd also be helpful to have them basically attack the ball handlers. They got a couple of steals, like four. There are a couple of sloppy plays. But in general, it was a turnover-free game for both teams. I think they both finished with uh, seven and so go- Illinois had eight turnovers. So really a yep. pretty clean game for <laughs> – for. I mean, there are many Michigan State games where they have 15 all by themselves in the past. So uh, I guess that was really not a – no edge there, I suppose, either way. No, there really wasn't. And and that's unfortunate. I, I do think – I think Michigan State played reasonably well most of the way defensively. Yeah, I think so too. Um, when you look at, I really liked, for example, I kind of alluded to a lot of that game, Coleman Hawkins was being guarded by Jaden Akins. It's like a seven, eight inch height disadvantage. Yeah. It worked. It worked because yeah, Coleman Hawkins doesn't he's not like a, to post. Tacker. Yeah, right. He doesn't post. Yeah. yeah. And, and Jaden got into him. He might not have come up with steals. But they made it, I give them credit for playing as aggressively as I think he could without taking too many risks. Um, but they just weren't able to create mistakes. And again, sometimes that's just how it happens. I um, I was a little bit surprised. I thought that uh, particularly with kind of the unorthodox matchups that Michigan State was dictating, that that might have, and a lot of times you'll see that just takes the off, just by doing that, it takes the offensive team completely out of whack. You know, if you're a 6'11 guy who's not used to, never guarded by a 6'3, 6'4 guy, and all of a sudden you are possession after possession after possession, you can very easily get outside of yourself and make mistakes you wouldn't otherwise normally make. Um, but that didn't really happen. So credit to Illinois for that. Um, and Michigan State just was not able to turn that. Some at some point this season, I'm I'm going. To, I know I'm going to see some team just decide to absolutely go full tilt in ball pressure against Illinois, and then we'll see what happens. Because I think they're really they're getting away with something that they shouldn't be getting away with. And the fifth and final key to the game, Road Warriors. And this is just, you know, Michigan State had to close their game in the road to 0-2, now yeah. 0-3 in the road. And, you know, this is going to be one of those things there, it, much like the start, until you see something change, you say it's a problem. And so right now they're 0-3 in the road. They, you know, yeah, they're, you could say they're all tough games to win, and they are. But they're, you expect to take one or two of those, uh, or hope to. And so, you know, again, it's to, until they actually win these road games, they haven't won one. <laughs> if you're, if you're going to be in... The conversation for, you know, a, a top top tier finish. Yeah, in the Big Ten, yeah, you probably need to win one of these, and they could still, believe it or not, they could still end up in that conversation before it's all said and done. But you feel a lot better about your chances if they figured out how to win this one or Nebraska or both, especially. Yeah, um, I'll even take Northwestern out of it since that game wasn't quite as close. But um, disappointing, but I will say that one of the things that we talked about specifically, I think for the most part did happen, which is we had we had said that one of the real problems was Michigan State's defense had not traveled in either of the Big Ten road games to that right. point. I think it did travel. Yeah, I think game. so too. Illinois, didn't. Illinois <laughs> shot 41.8%. So MSU actually outshot them slight, ever so slightly. 41.8% overall, 33% from three. 
Um, those are both numbers that are below what Illinois typically shoots. So, you know, you're, uh, maybe the three isn't. The three might be right around on point. But, um, you know, I, I, I think it was mostly a good effort, certainly far better than either of the first two. So in that sense, I think it happened. But, you know, ultimately you're looking to actually get win, obviously. For sure. That yeah. did not happen. Yeah, and then, you know, we were surprised that Michigan State's offense has been so good the first two road games, just their defense. Now, now this time, I think you could, at least you could say the outside shooting, which is you know, the three-point shooting well, was 26%, two of 11 in the second yeah. half. And like I said, great looks, just none of them were falling. And that was, yeah, well, that could certainly be the difference. <laughs> you could argue that's early, easily the difference. Early in the second half, there's a point that Michigan State was five for 11 from three. They missed their last eight. Yeah. So the way they finished drastically changed up until that point. And that was, you know, several minutes into the second half. You, I certainly remember thinking, well, keeping on, keeping on point in terms of the improved perimeter shooting, you know, and then the last eight don't fall for you. Um, so that that's, that's true. I think offensively, you know what a telling number is and it tells you something about just the weird way that this game was played michigan state had 29 made field goals they only had 10 assists yeah this is a team that regularly is up near 60 maybe even higher than that percent in terms of the number of made field goals and percentage of made field goals that are assisted what why is that significant well the way that tom Izzo teams always try to play offensively is largely dependent upon good ball movement, good man movement, combining. And when you play that way, you got tend to rack up a lot of assists, or at least a heavy percentage of assisted made field goals. That did not happen in this game. So what does that mean? It means that Illinois played well enough defensively that they turned Michigan State largely into a team that was going one-on-one a lot of the time and had some success at times. But I think if you're looking at style of play as an indicator of whether you're truly getting what you want to get offensively, that would be an indicator that Michigan State did not get that done. And that's yeah. a credit to Illinois defensively, really. Be it both teams, Illinois is not quite <laughs> by any means the kind of team stylistically that Michigan State is offensively, but they had a low rate as well. That's just a little more in keeping, a little closer to what they normally would do. For Michigan State, this game is a very drastic outlier in that regard. And, you know, did, did that decide it? No, but it was one of several factors we've touched on that probably had a role. If you can, If you could successfully turn Michigan State into a team that's, going one-on-one, scoring their baskets mano-a-mano and not via ball movement, you're you're probably giving yourself a better chance to win. Yeah. I mean, the only one you really feel comfortable going one-on-one is Walker. I suppose in some extent uh, is uh, Malik Hall. You know, he, he'll he get that where you don't have to get doubled. He hasn't, I feel fairly confident that he's going to get a decent shot up most of the time if he doesn't get a double. Yeah. Uh, but everybody else, it's got to be within the flow of the offense, you know, whether it's Akins or Holloman or uh, AJ. Uh, you know, it's interesting just looking at the shooting percentage too. I mean, quietly in the season, maybe not quietly, but, you know, Trey Holloman still leads the team at 40%, but Tyson Walker with his dreadful performance was still 39, is now 39%. Akins is yeah. almost at 38%. And yep. AJ is at base thirty-two and a half percent, so he's come up quite a bit yes. too. So we're getting, uh, it's starting to get a lot, a lot better from the shooting standpoint. It, even though this was a very bad shooting game, it's it's much closer to what was expected. I mean, I think, by regardless of the way that second half went, shooting the ball, I am certainly at the point I think most reasonable people should be where you should expect Michigan State to shoot reasonably well. Yeah. I think they are overall a good perimeter shooting team, and they're playing that way. The only guy who I think you could say, boy, there's some upside there that hasn't been reached is Malik. Last I looked, and I don't know if this has changed. Yeah, he, he didn't was take knocking on the 
27 but i mean still. his i was gonna say so getting up 27 that sounds dreadful and it's you know it's the lowest of his <laughs> he career. was like 16 <laughs> right he has made progress too of late if that can continue and he even gets into like the low 30s which given that he doesn't shoot a ton of them would not take more than a couple hot games yeah um to do that then you've got something then you've really got everybody a lot closer at least to performing at the levels you anticipated you know so yeah i don't know at disappoint i i just to put a wrap on it disappointing loss sure because you had a real opportunity to win it yeah but sky is falling no no and you and and i think you know if you want to look at it from ncaa tournament standpoint which i mean ultimately that's really all the people remember whether you win the Big Ten Championship or not, people are not going to be satisfied unless you have a decent run in March. That's and, right. You know, if that game was played in neutral court, I think we both feel that that would have been edged Michigan State, right? I mean, um, sure. So yeah, oh yeah. You know, so what for what it's worth, it's this is our sort of you know moral victories, and and they're not worth much. Uh, but at least at least I feel like this team is not playing like they were early in the season. They are coming to play every game. North Northwestern's a little bit outlier, but even there, it was not totally. It was just a little bit sort of like they. We're almost surprised, but I don't know. I think, Mich- I, think, I think Michigan State answered the response to what happened at Northwestern was reasonably good. Yeah. You know, in the ways that he needed it to be. They needed to respond physically. Well, they did that. You need to see a much, and this ties in with that, you need to see a much better effort rebounding the ball. Did that. Um, the defense, much more connected. You know, I think Illinois had one back cut. If I remember correctly, yeah, they, they for the most good, yeah. part, Michigan State was really sound with that. They were trying to run it. I mean, they were constantly looking for it. And I think they got one and that took an absolutely perfectly placed pass that probably gets picked off 90 times out of hundred. Yeah. But it happened to work for one time, I recall. Um, so most of the things they needed to do, I think they did. And um you know, we'll just we'll just have to see uh, if our suspicions are correct that the record is going to start turning here coming up. Well, as it stands right now, Michigan State is in tied for thirteenth with Michigan at one and four. So, I mean, those those five games are you know they're not equal; they're not equivalent to sort of who they played. But you know, again, you're still one and four. So. We th- I think we both think that that's going to change significantly. Michigan State will not find themselves in the cellar. It does not feel like a one in four team in the Big Ten, but you know, no. we'll see what happens next. So I think we'll wrap it up there. We'll be back real soon. We got a quick turnaround for the Rutgers game. Uh, so again, once again, check out our partners to the, to the show, uh, Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com, the Brothers of Just Your Gutters at brothersgutters.com, and the Squeegee Squad of Grand Rapids at squeegeesquad.com slash Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yeah, you can look it up on the link. Uh, Until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green.